0: You're listening to High Shelf Gaming. In this episode, Rich and I bring on Luke the Goon from the Dark Future podcast. About six months ago, uh, last Gen Con, really, the 2019 Gen Con, he was able to sit down with Mike Pondsmith and do a long-form interview with him about Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk Red, Cyberpunk 2077, all that wonderful stuff. Luke's a great guy. He's a good buddy of mine. And we're doing projects together, actually, in the background. This episode episode, though, is mostly about old-school revival, which is a really interesting topic Luke is super passionate about, and he kind of schools me in it, and we come to realize that uh, what is old-school revival for Luke is just riches every day. It's a great episode, so we'll get right into it. High Shelf Gaming is where we discuss tabletop gaming. Everything from board games, to role-playing games, to gaming conventions, we provide reviews, strategies, tips, house rules all in order to enhance your gaming and convention going experience. Hey everyone, David Gillespie here again with High Shelf Gaming and is as- What up? <laughs> as always, <laughs> I am joined by the compassionate Rich Wesneski.
1: Dude, that is so nice of you to say. I know about five million people that would probably disagree with me being compassionate. I was, especially all the people that have played in my D and D game. Yes, they know I'm not compassionate. They know I'm out for blood. And Patrick Rothelsberger knows I'm not compassionate because I have no compassion for him not writing the next book in the name of the win, the King Killer Chronicles hey, series. You already got me all mad. You Dave. know
0: what? You know what? The the series I got you onto, the Expanse. They're already going to release. Release a book next year. Oh my god. They released a book this year, and they're gonna release a book next year. Do I not deliver for you, Rich? Okay,
1: okay, (laughs) is this gonna become another one of those things though that they never end? You know, Inuashi was that way. Yeah. I just I just came off some really great anime, and then there's this inuwashi thing, and I'm like, hey, it's a fox guy. Or a cat guy, whatever he is, and then there's like five thousand no, episodes. Because
0: you're, you're, you know, with with anime, it's are you watching the OVA, which usually to synced, or are you watching the TV show, which goes on forever? No, 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 no. And besides, do you want the expanse to end?
1: I need everything to end at some point because what I do then is I actually don't read the last book and I just let it sit there. And I always think to myself, do I really want to finish? This? I do that with TV shows, too. but I don't do that with D D. Cause I do like to kill all my players. That's right. That's right. Cause I'm not compassionate. <laughs> I'm ruthless.
0: I keep finding the wrong word for you. One of these days I'm going to nail it, but joining us tonight is a, a great friend of the show, Luke the goon dude welcome to the fucking show
2: what up Luke? thanks for having me on it's uh i'm looking forward to it yeah uh
0: luke uh by way of introduction what what kind of gamer are you like what's your gamer background you know what's your
1: what's your chops baby yeah. what's
0: your chops what kind well, of did you play? i actually started
2: playing when i was probably about 10 years old yes that's I, sweet i don't remember which came first i was always i've always been interested in like King Arthur and, like, the Middle Ages, and so... yeah. I don't remember if D&D came first or that came first. Right. But essentially what happened was my dad used to play in high school, and he had (gasps) all the first edition books. The Player's Handbook, the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Monster Manual, and so... I think you're the first guest we've had
0: whose dad played before him.
1: Oh, and I'm really pissed off now, too. Yeah, (laughs)
0: because you, Rich, are a dad.
1: (laughs) And I've... Taught my kids how to play, yes. so now I officially feel so old. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna talk like this the rest of the episode in my old man voice.
0: So okay, so you you had the familial introduction. You you had your dad kind of walk you through playing the game,
1: like second edition or first first edition. edition. Was he like Whoa, he all the first edition? Yeah, awesome. buddy. Nice. And I like your dad. Over. The way
2: we would play was kind of funny because he. Didn't really Dungeon Master. What he did is, if you're familiar with the Dungeon Master's Guide, in the back there's a ton of roll tables that randomly generate terrain and all kinds of things. Yes. So what he would do is just go through and roll for the next the next block because we would play grid by grid. Yes. And so he would just roll those up and we would play. Yes. There What were, do you
0: run into? I don't know. Yeah. Ah, troll. You're all dead.
2: All right, and, next and, thing. And I used to get <laughs> Sounds like an- so mad because that game – is so lethal. Like you, oh, yeah. I think, like a cleric <laughs> or a thief have like a D4 hit points. No, oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Thieves, yeah. thieves, and wizards, D4 each.
2: <laughs> yes, and so there were many a dice thrown out of anger.
0: I bet, that <laughs> especially as a kid, and you don't really like grasp what's going on. That you can just play again tomorrow with a different character. Yeah. You get really vested very quick.
2: Yes, because you create, like, you know, when you're a kid, even now, I create myself in the game, and so when you die, it's like, no!
1: It's the worst. Oh, that's why I always have a warning. Mm, yes. Characters are not players. (laughs)
0: It says so in the it's DMG. in the
1: basic It's right there in the basic red box. Oh, not right even in the d like in the no, player's it's book. it's in the basic player book. Yeah. Remember, characters are not players because we had that big D&D scare back then, too. And the
0: Satanic Panic, yeah. Oh, yes. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you I and I, Luke, we dodged that one. We didn't even, <laughs> we weren't even around. Yeah. Tom
1: Hanks was in the Dungeons and Mazes and, and Monsters movie. is the
0: name
2: of it.
1: Mazes and Monsters. Yeah, wasn't Look that like, at the big brain on Luke. Wasn't
0: that basically like a hit piece on D&D? Uh yeah. kind
2: of oh, yeah. I think it was partially based on a true story, I think, or something similar that happened to no, somebody. I think it was I
0: think it was based on a on a myth of a st- true story. Well,
2: yeah, that could be and, true and too. This
0: is the this is Tom Hanks's black mark and that's why I'm glad he's a method actor and actually lived on an island in castaway for years. <laughs> suffering because of his maze is a monster's contribution to the world. <laughs>
1: yes, and you know Dave is right. I, I used the intranet and I found out it was based on an inaccurate. It was mm, based on a novel of yeah. the same name, right? That was based on an inaccurate newspaper mm-hmm. story. Yes, yeah, about the I knew disappearance like of James Dallas expert, which actually was really interesting. Is Bill Deer, William Deer, is a really big private investigator down in the Dallas area. And he was tied up in this story during that, too. Oh. We're getting a little off topic, so I'll just stop that there. Everybody DM me about any Bill Deere information. I'll be glad to talk with you. I think Bill Deere comes up
0: later on in blue, uh, Thin Blue Line, which is one of my favorite mm-hmm. documentaries. So we'll have to get into this later on. Yeah. Later on. We'll, then all right, there's uh, uh, Way off, way off. Okay. Rich, so, Rich might be okay, familiar so with.
1: Okay, so Zach, what else did you play? Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't even got past, like, being 12 yeah. yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you eventually uh, uh, come into your own. You stop yeah. playing with dad. <laughs> I well, I let's see. There's a couple different games. Though
2: I think the first game book I bought was it was either third edition mm-hmm. or Vampire of the Masquerade.
1: 3.5. Yes. yes. Ooh, not vampire.
0: Yes. Don't say vampire. One yes. of the two. I don't yes. remember which Dude, one it was. That was that was me, man. I was World of Darkness. Oh, I was werewolf, vampire. This is why Rich is all mad right now because I he I always say this. I loved World of Darkness when well, like the '90s, angsty yeah. goth teen, mad at the world. Yeah, yeah.
1: I just see Dave in his faux leather pants. <laughs> You know, with some li liner on. <laughs>
0: Dude, Dallas had this had this club called the Church. It was a goth club, and they would kid you not. There was a Vampire the Masquerade LARP that happened at a dance club every Sunday night. Yeah, at,
1: down in Deep <laughs> island, baby. Yeah, yeah. I won't tell you what I did there, but it wasn't LARP. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Indeed. <laughs> okay, yeah, so uh, so that that makes sense. Yeah, this is I'm so now I'm liking you're where you're 15. going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm liking so where you're, you're going 15. here, Luke. What else is
2: happening? <laughs> well, actually I kind of took a break for a long time. I didn't really get back into playing a lot until really what we were talking about off the air when Wizards of the Coast released the OGL and the OSR took off. And people started making their own games. And when it became more DIY and do it yourself and homebrew, is when I really got interested. And I started watching a lot of back, uh, I don't know, five, six years ago, there was the uh, YouTube RPG Brigade. I don't know how much you guys are familiar with that, but it was basically just a bunch of YouTubers who.
1: What's YouTube?
2: (laughs) Who just talked about old games and (laughs) things like that.
0: Yeah, no, I was always into Happy Jack RPG and they were doing a bunch of like OSR stuff, too. And man, I remember when three, three, third edition hit three, five hit and they had that open gaming license. Dude, AEG pumped out a ton of books. All these gaming companies came out of the woodworks for all kinds of stuff. White Wolf made their freaking Angel game based on D20. You know, I mean, there were just so many companies pumping product into the D20 thing. That was like a stroke of genius on Wizards of the Coast. They got so much content into their game system. And I've talked about this before, but I
2: feel like the... um, Let's see. The the failure of 4th Edition gave... Created so many jobs because because (laughs) fourth edition didn't do well. (laughs) Paizo blew up because of Pathfinder. People went to Pathfinder. Yep. And then other people were creating their own games and making money off their own games. And so the failure of fourth edition, in my opinion, brought the boom that tabletop RPGs see now.
1: Wow. What an interesting take. So we wouldn't have this resurgence that's happening. If 4th edition wouldn't have maybe popped
2: yeah that's my take on it anyway because I know a lot of people felt like and I think Wizards of the Coast had come out and said this that they kind of made 4th edition to appeal to gamers Mm -hmm. people who liked World of Warcraft and things like that and it was you know obviously more miniatures focused and so like we're saying a lot of people were and then you know with the OGL and everything it just there were so many more options now
0: yeah, I, I think that 4th edition was Wizards of the Coast trying to realize a vision. Cuz remember Wizards of the Coast bought Pokemon. Pokemon. And they already owned
1: Gotta Catch 'em all
0: w- Magic the Gathering. And the yeah. progression, the planned progression as my understanding was, kids play Pokemon and at some point we get them into Magic. And once they're into Magic, at some point we also get them into D&D. And basically, for the rest of their lives, they're going to play Magic the Gathering and D&D, and we're going to print money. <laughs> and that just didn't happen, right? Because 4th Edition had kind of a card gamey feel between the powers and the equipment all had their own little card and all that kind of stuff. It just fell like a limp noodle.
2: I've always liked to keep things basic, real simple, and, like, I'm always on the search for a new game, like, because besides somebody who plays a lot, I I have a huge collection of games that a lot of which I haven't played, kind of like my Steam library.
1: <laughs> yes. And so I'm yes.
2: always, I'm buying, all, I have all kinds of books that I read and I think are beautiful. I've just never played, like, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Mm. That book oh. is beautiful. The art in that book, it's Man. like
0: every page, it's just... Rich, do you have Dungeon Crawl
1: Quest? No, I want to buy it every year. It's like one of those things that I'm right there with you, Luke. It is... It harkens back to a different time. It is beautiful. They really did a good job capturing the essence of d and I, I just have never jumped in.
2: Yeah. it's They have a lot of different mechanics in the game. The funnel, I don't know if you know about the zero-level funnel. Hmm. You start out and you create like four zero level characters. Each player does, and then you run them through like a dungeon or something, and then whoever the whoever (laughs) whoever survives is your character. (laughs) I love it. I love
1: it like a regular game. I love it. I
2: love it. And the magic in that game is really cool because you. You, you cast, you go to cast your spell, but it will, it can also be like critical and it'll do like explode and it'll do something insane or it can fizzle and do something bad. And every spell has a different table under their spell. Mm. And every time you cast a spell, magic is kind of chaotic. Mm. And so it can like, you can grow like a tentacle out of your side or your ear fall off or there's consequences to magic in the game.
0: Nice. We don't fully understand it. So while we're using it, we're really playing with something that is beyond our comprehension.
2: Yeah, it's a little similar to Lamentations of the Flame Princess in that your alignment has to be chaotic because magic inherently is chaotic in that game.
0: Oh, just to kind of give people what the acronyms mean. Earlier, we were talking about OGL. That's Open Gaming License. And what that means is Wizard of the Coast, when they made third edition, And every edition since, I believe, they've said that big chunks of the book are open source. Anybody can write content to... And you
1: can download it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like you can go and download 3rd edition and and use it. You can write content to 3rd edition and they're not going to come after you with a lawsuit or anything like that. You can just freely publish content that works in the 3rd edition world and 4th edition and 5th edition. They all have various flavors of OGL, which is what gave rise to... OSR, which I always heard it as old school revival is what I heard it as. And you were saying that it's really old school renaissance. It's it's a debate. Nobody there's no like set. everybody
2: has a different (laughs) what they think OSR stands for.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say, I I was about to say you give an Internet full of nerds something to talk about and they will they will debate this forever. Okay, if we had to put some themes on old school gaming, I heard you say deadly. Mm hmm. Yes. Love Lethal it. I <laughs> love it. Yeah. Uh, maybe more of an emphasis on like game rules as opposed to role play. Or do you think that it's kind of a mixed bag of those two? I think it's well,
2: I I think it is a mixed bag. And uh, I would add that it's also more about simplicity. Mm. Not a lot of feats, not a lot of skills, which is another thing that I like. Say another player has an ability that lets them jump on a chandelier and ride across. Okay that other player will see that skill and they'll be like, well, I guess I can't do that. But if you oh. don't give your players those limitations, they say, you know, oh, hey, I'll do this or I'll try to chop that guy's arm off or, or I'll do... You let their imagination... Roll against your decks. Yeah, and then, yeah, you just give them a roll and rather right. than saying, oh, I'll use this skill, I'll use his feet."
0: Yeah, uh, that's a good point.
1: And in, in my case, OSR, I really don't know the acronym very well. I, I know I downloaded a long time ago this, um, I'm going to say... O-S-R-O-S-R-I-C. I'm not too sure how you actually Osric, pronounce yeah. that. Yeah, Osric. Osric? Yeah. okay. Long time ago, somewhere around 3.5 was out, and I was like, what's this Osric? As everyone knows, I've never really left the Redbox AD&D world. So I jump into these other games to play, but my, my love is already all the way back there. So when people were going through their old school renaissance, I was like, well, yeah, just... Just go to half price bookstore and buy a D and D. Yeah,
2: this is going to sound weird, but part of the way that I felt about it, I to, okay, imagine D and D is like Walmart. Mm. You're like, well, I don't want to go to Walmart. I'd rather go to some, you know, other side restaurant, you Mar-J. know, some place, yeah, somewhere else, because you don't want to go with like the big the big one you'd rather go with like a niche brand or whatever. So that's uh, kind of the way I look at it when I'm like looking at books. I'm like, Hey, I got this book. People are like, Oh, what's that? It's yeah. kind of uh, you know, but it's funny because it, everybody, no matter what game you play, especially like medieval, high fantasy, low fantasy, it's always D and D no matter, no matter what game it is that you're playing, you always just kind of say, you know, it's D and D cause it is a form of D and D just kind of like a homebrewed version of D and
1: D. And everybody gets that too out in the world. They all, everybody knows what D&D is in some form or fashion. Now they, they may have their own ideas that you're playing in a, you know, in a wizard outfit and, you know, throwing dice. Thank you, stranger things. Um, But you know, they, they all know that term Kleenex.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. They're the, they're the foundational piece. Now, when you are looking at an OSR product or when you're looking at a game, like it sounds like what you're looking to do is mine them for good ideas is that kind yeah. of the draw for you oh or is yeah it...
2: definitely like okay. i have a lot of inspiration like i have a bunch of modules that i've obviously never run but i like to read them for inspiration things like that as i was saying earlier about dungeon crawl classics like the art in that book is just so good that you just flip through it and you're like oh this is so cool you know this is great and even if it's games i'm not going to use i've got I can take a roll table from this book or advice from this book, you know, look at the appendix N in that book. It's always about kind of taking things from other games and integrating them into your own. Yeah,
1: now when you look at OSR, are, is everything D twenty based, or do, have they gone back? And is oh, there because yeah. it, it was around two thousand, you know, three point five. This came out. Did they go back to anybody doing Thaco or anything like that, or is that kind of the line? If you've gone Thacko, you've gone. Yeah, weird.
2: most people don't like Thacko. <laughs> okay, but um, I like Lamentations is like a six sided die game where you put one point into like if you're thievery you get you know if you put one or two or three points then you roll six out die if you roll one two or three you succeed so there are games and there's also some debate about whether some games are actually osr or not because they're like even i think some people question whether dungeon crawl classics is osr because it's a little different it's a much different spin on it Hmm. And uh, the big thing about uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics is they use um, crazy dice. Like, they use, like, a 30-sided die and a bunch oh, of other yeah. goofy, funky dice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, it seems like kind of harkening back to keeping it very simple and maybe having some clever ideas in there. That's, like, the cornerstone of OSR.
2: For me. I mean, you know, probably, you know, 20 other people will give you 20 different answers about what the OSR means to them. Sure. But For me, that's where the foundation is.
1: And I'm going to say OSR, I think it is definitely it's an AD&D and and up kind of thing because they do have classes. They do have races. You know what I mean? They, They do have a little bit more meat than the basic world.
2: Some of them. There are some that are more like if you look at Swords and Wizardry, I think it's White Box. There are some games that go a little bit further back. Wow. Yeah. So it depends. I, I think you're right that th- for the most part, most games are that way. But they do have some that go back and they play on the Holmes and other other versions like that.
1: If I'm thinking about where to start an OSR, right? I'm I'm listening to this. I'm 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 going. You know what? This might be a good place to jump in and take a look. Where do you recommend someone that's in the same vein? Let's not try and go off to someone that's in a totally different vein than you, but they love the lethality because that's one of the things I really enjoy about it is you make a couple of mistakes and your character's just dead. And you gotta start over, right? You know, at Gen Con we had a couple deaths and people had to start over. Where do you recommend people look in the OSR world to kind of start getting that feeling, that flavor? What's something they can touch that's maybe just a download? They don't have to ne- necessarily purchase anything yet. They're able to look at a free PDF or a free game before they start really jumping into the OSR world.
2: I'd go with Basic Fantasy. I think that's, it's uh, even if you buy it, it's like five bucks. Mm. And okay. you don't have to buy it. It's free. You can go to their website and download it for free. They have a bunch of uh, modules also that you can download for free. I, I believe... Ooh, I'm
1: adding this to my list. I'm on their page right now. So that was really that was really mean to me. I just wanted to have some resources. Go on. So what,
0: what is what is basic fantasy like? Kind of give us the, uh, it's, the overview. It's
2: stripped down D anD I I don't know exactly which version of D anD D they base it off of, but it's kind of taking the old game and making it easier for modern players.
0: Nice. It kind of feels like would Hackmaster fall into this? Like I feel like Hackmaster had a lot of a lot of rolling tables, a lot of lethality, had a lot of funny ways to die. It's
2: it's kind of a parody, isn't it? I, I've See, I've never played Hackmaster. I know of it. And it is kind of like a parody of D&D, isn't it?
1: Well, not to say I'm a member of the Red River's Raiders of the Hackmaster organization, but I am. Yeah. Just FYI. I am a member of the Hackmaster organization. Back in the day, when it was based on the OGL, 100%. It was very crunchy. It, it really appealed to people that loved the tables, the numbers, the Thaco, and completely full of parody. I'm not even too sure anybody ever played it like a role-playing game. They played it more like a role-playing game. Right. Emphasis game. emphasis, <laughs> Emphasis game. Yeah. And you just had a great time. Now, its level of entry, it is not basic. Right. To where it is definitely an AD&D plus introduction into that world. Gotcha. I think what's great about this is I've already downloaded the rule book from... Uh, basicfantasy.org, link in description below. It feels um, AD&D-ish. I haven't fully, you know, flipped through all the stuff. But that is, it doesn't have a very big learning curve. You roll up a character, you go play. Right. Usually you have someone with you that can hold your hand a little bit to understand what you're up to. You know, I, I would say Hackmaster has a little bit more of a learning curve.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And so so Hackmaster probably isn't necessarily OSR because it doesn't have the simplicity That some of these others do, or maybe it is, but it's just a different flavor of OSR. But it sounds like basic fantasy, if somebody was like, all right, I've been playing D&D or Pathfinder, but I want to try OSR for reals. And I don't necessarily want to go pick up a red box basic edition D&D because it seems really difficult. This basic fantasy would get me the flavor of early D&D without the headache
1: I love that idea because I'm looking through the character races. Two races fit on one page. That's how much detail there is. Nice. It's clean. It's simple. You immediately go to two classes fit on one page. It looks very easy to run into. I think that was a great suggestion, Luke.
2: Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it, and I've got two other suggestions. Sweet. One is, this one is very simple, is the black hack. That's a very, very, it's even more stripped down than uh, basic fantasy. I think they have it on DriveThruRPG. The PDF is $6. I'm looking at it right now. But the other really big recommendation I would have is it's called White Box. Fantastic medieval adventure game. It's a really small book, about an A4 size. It's only about 130-some pages. Uh, It's Swords and Wizardry compatible. It's even got the OSR logo on the front.
0: Oh, wait, wait. So OSR has like an official logo?
2: Well, they have kind of like a... Uh, I I don't know if you'd call it official, but there are some people who use kind of a it was like a fan project, I think. And so people will use it sometimes. It's actually the the grid style
0: that spells out the OSR. Okay. what is the black hack and what is the white box? What would they expect to find out of those games?
2: uh well the black hack is just basically it's a stripped down version of the 70 the 70s from the 70s are uh D &D game what's funny that you'll notice in all of these osr products is they cannot say dungeons and dragons based on dungeons and dragons right so a lot of times what you'll see is based on the it's 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 kind of it's funny because a lot of people see it it's uh Based on the most famous role-playing game, or something along those lines, it's really funny.
0: Yeah, because uh, Dungeons and Dragons is trademark, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> you can't just so, be tossing that around as the reason to buy your book. Yeah, I, it's a little
2: strange. That I mean, I guess I'm curious why D or why Wizards of the Coast went that way and wouldn't let people say because. Oh, dear. I mean, maybe they don't want to trick people into thinking that it's D&D compatible or something. Exactly.
0: You don't want customers that go to the store to be confused, right? You don't want them to think that, oh, I'm buying this and this is a D&D book. It says D&D right on the cover, right? Or right in the product description. And so, yeah, they guard that. They guard Dungeon Master, right? The term Dungeon Master is trademark Wizards of the Coast Hasbro. No one else ever puts Dungeon Master in their products because they legally can't.
2: Yeah, most people put General GM or uh,
0: right. Referee. Or some other, you know, leader type thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so that, that's just to keep people from being confused.
1: I like those ideas. I was poking around on the uh, white one. And when we look at that, their classes are Fighter, Cleric, Magic User, Thief, Elf. Yes. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, this is right up my alley. Yes. So, yeah, this might be a new thing to check out for resource material for me yeah. as I uh, flip through these. I, I am. This is really nice.
2: Yeah. And even the uh, thief class is uh, optional is what they put in the parentheses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, Rich, you go to like dragonsfoot.com and that's where you get yes. all your modules. We talked about that a while back that, like, you get a lot of your kind of d chutzpah out of that website and it looks like it was developed in the you know maybe early 90s if i'm being
1: kind oh god who knows <laughs> um and i'm sure they have oh i'm now gone to their website because i'm sure they have osr stuff too yeah i've just never paid attention
0: yeah i've seen uh, dragon's foot has all kinds of stuff for all kinds of games not D, castles and crusades oh yeah yeah gygax's last product Rich, you've kind of been you're not really osr you're like og
1: yeah, I, I think that's just because I, I was there at the beginning and playing with it at that time. It wasn't a, a, a look, and I didn't really leave. Right, you know, I played in some three five, but I never left. I cool played in this. Back I never laughed.
0: Being cool was cool. Yeah.
1: I wouldn't say that much. I would just say old. Uh, But it is great to hear this idea about folks seeing this and going, and I just didn't know how big this OSR thing was. Sounds like it's pretty huge. I never paid enough attention as I walked around the halls of Gen Con on really how many of these are OSR based. Just like, you know, when you were talking about Dungeon Crawl Classic, I never knew that was based on that idea I just thought that was something they wrapped up on their own. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm now stuck into the internet hole after this episode <laughs> for a couple hours. Yeah, for sure.
2: The thing you like about White Box too is the art in that is v- pretty beautiful, too. I love when they put in the effort to get really good art. I'm a stickler for artwork because I don't like the, the new artwork that D&D uses or like Pathfinder. I really don't like Pathfinder's artwork. I yeah. like the old school. I like the black and white. One of my favorite artists is uh Patrick uh Trempier, who hmm. did the cover of the Players Handbook for first uh. edition, the golem with the jewel in his eye.
0: Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, he's he's one of my probably my probably my favorite. Him and uh Errol Otis, I think is his name. Hmm. Yeah, they're both
1: I know that feeling. I flip through the A D and D book and look at the pictures. Yeah. Yes, I know exactly. And it's amazing how art has changed over time. But man, those are some really good OSR pieces. Now, we are talking about medieval and D&D and all that kind of jazz. Does it ever find its way like GURPS? Do people go and start taking this OSR license and moving into different, what would we call that? um, Genres. Genres, thank you. Do people do that too? Is there like a a fantasy world in space and, you know, what do you see in that? Or do you not even delve into that area?
2: I do occasionally when it comes to the OSR. There was a book, I believe it's called White Star, Hmm. which is a sci-fi game that you can use to create any kind of sci-fi game you want. You want to do Star Wars? You can do it with this. It's OSR. I can't
0: remember. The guy who wrote it, I think, has a lot to do with uh, the OSR as well. Mm. Yeah, I always felt like Traveler was my Swiss Army sci-fi game, but I'll have to check out White Star.
1: Yeah, by the way, a quick little update on the OSRIC download. It does have Thacko in it. Yes. So if anybody really (laughs) wants to punish themselves, go down that OSRIC book and... What is OSRIC? OSRIC is the... Okay, I'm going to mess this up. Open Old School Reference and Index Compilation. And OSRIC uses the Open Gaming License and System Reference Document of D&D 3rd Edition to create a new presentation of the 1st Edition Rule Set. Oh, That's me reading wiki. I'm pretty good at that. Nice.
2: Yeah, it's free if you want it. And then if you want to buy the book, it's pretty much like pay for the printing and stuff. They don't take any
1: profit, I don't think. Wow. If you want to go back and feel some pain, you can go back and feel (laughs) some pain. Well, I would also say check out Roll20. I bet you there are some online communities based around this too, if anybody was curious about that. Just like I need to get in. Pop open my Stranger Things red box set and run a an o- Roll20 event I'm here pretty soon. I just like doing that. It gets a lot of people together and lets everybody play and have a good time. So easy, easy meeting ground.
0: So, Luke, you, you mentioned earlier you like to steal ideas or borrow ideas out of the OSR. What do you say steal? St- everybody,
2: that's, I've talked about this before, the best GM advice you can give anybody is to steal things that you like.
0: Yes. So what are some of the things that you've taken from the OSR books that you've been reading through that you use in other game systems? Like you're like, this is this structure, this rule set, this framework is so good. I have to use it in every game going forward. Like what are, what are some gems that you've pulled out of OSR?
2: Well, a lot of what it is, is stripping things down and just making them more simple. It's more, for me, it's more looking at the mechanics and seeing what works and then, seeing if you can take that and put it into another game. I've always used Exploding Dice. That's probably not an OSR thing, but I've always used Exploding exploding Dice. dice. Yeah, it's It's exciting as a player,
0: man. Yeah.
1: That was my Hackmaster find when I first started playing Hackmaster with Exploding Dice. I was like, this is genius. Yeah, and
0: folks, what that means is when you roll max on a die, like you roll a 10 on a d10 or you roll a 20 on a d20, you get to roll again and you get to add the new role to that. And it's like, yes, my roll is giant and I feel strong and powerful. Yeah. So you can, you're a hero. you yeah. can kill things
2: in one hit.
1: Yeah. And the bad guys get it too. Ha-ha. Yeah.
0: Oh, Well,
2: that's, that's important though, for uh, like the games that I like to play that are lethal, because even though you don't have many hit points, if you're fighting something and you do get an exploding die, you're more likely to kill it before it kills you. Right. And so it kind of evens things out slightly for players right. so that they don't feel like they're so weak and they're getting killed easily.
0: That's that one of the things I've always liked about Legend of the Five Rings is the way they handled exploding dice was very similar, that it was a great way to speed up combat. <laughs> but like Rich said, your enemies get it, too. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be be mindful.
1: I did not know they kept going with OpenGL every time they're doing a new version of D and D. So I did not know there was an OpenGL for fifth edition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It's, a, that, it's not as, it's not as all encompassing as three, five was or three was, but uh-huh. at the very least the attributes, you know, like what they mean, how they work, all that stuff is still OGL. So you can, you can make the important thing about it is that you and I could sit down and make up a bunch of fifth edition monsters and publish it. And wizards of the coast will not come after us for using Wizards of the coast stats and all of that kind of stuff in our
1: publication. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there's what? actually
0: a uh, cyberpunk game that uses 5th
2: edition mechanics what? called uh, Carbon 2185.
0: Yeah, I mean, like and that's part of the reason why everybody says, "Hey, I play 5th edition. Surely someone has made a 5th edition version of this game." Like, pick any genre and there's definitely going to be D&D 5th edition homebrew rules or a Kickstarter or something that lets you wrap the fifth edition rules around whatever genre to, to for better or worse. Right. I, yeah, I don't I, like that. Cause I think that big buckets of hit points and class leveling and all that stuff is very good in a very specific place in the gaming world. And I want it to stay there. <laughs> like I will never run a, a gritty space game using D twenty rules. I will always defer to systems that are better at handling the terror and violence of space. Yeah, if there's a a game that I think that does
2: that better, it would be Savage Worlds, because there are so many source books for Savage Worlds Mm. that just there's there's a ton of them. And they have a bunch of weird settings and things. I actually have um the Goon, the comic book, they created oh, a... Oh,
1: gosh, how old? Yeah, The Goon, that's had, crazy. They had
2: a Kickstarter for it, and I backed it for, for that one. Nice, was, for Savage Worlds? Like, yeah. I actually don't have the Savage Worlds books, but <laughs> I like The Goon so much that I went ahead and bought it anyway. And the Savage Worlds book is only like 10 bucks, if that.
0: Nice. Yeah, Savage Worlds is one of those games that I've been meaning to jump into. That and, uh, I think, a Numenera, Cypher System, you know, those, are, those come up quite often in terms of games that people love that have a lot of flexibility into other genres
2: yeah i used to be really obsessed with the d20 like i don't know what it was maybe it's just my root but i was always like if it doesn't have a d20 <laughs> like what's the point point? <laughs> <laughs> and then um I, I i think maybe maybe lamentations of the flame princess changed my mind on that with the d6 yeah i'm not sure but
1: It's hard. You know, we were talking with uh, Pazio the other day, just kind of chatting about, you know, they had an opportunity as they were making their second edition to back out of the uh, traditional, what is it? Polyhedral dice. Did I nail that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, The D and D &D classic set D four to D 20. Yeah.
1: And they were like, mm, that's kind of a sacred cow is, I think, the words he used. I think he looked at that as they everybody goes, when you play D&D or, or Pathfinder or these medieval fantasy settings, I'm trying not to use trademark words, <laughs> you you end up with people want the dice. Yeah. They want to be able to reach into their bag, I mean, and, and use the dice. And boy, that's become a big collector thing too lately. Um, big time. They want to be able to use their dice. Yeah,
0: big time. Yeah. yeah, well, you
2: know, Q Workshop, ChessX, that's how they stay in, they stay in yeah. business. People buying all kinds
0: of dice. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, like, you, we're getting a little off topic here, but then you get companies like Fantasy Flight that say, you know what, screw traditional dice. We're not even going to have numbers on our dice. We're going to have, like, shapes. I know, and then you get yeah. to go decode what the shapes mean. And it's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it works. Like, it's fun. Uh, but you have to, like, go into it wanting – special code dice instead of number dice
2: i think part of it is just it's so uniform and so many games use it that you don't have to buy new dice right you, know, you can go from game to game and all you need is one set of dice like right. even with dungeon call classics i think that's a little bit of something weird for people is they're like i need to get a seven-sided die what for you know oh dude like seven-sided
0: that. that's super weird to me
2: yeah I, I don't know i know there are a bunch of weird ones
1: That's really interesting to think about that, you know, with board games we are used to completely having specialized dice in those environments. Yeah. But when we talk about this OSR world or we talk about going from RPG to RPG, if they keep those dice sets the same, they, they really keep that audience built in. Yeah. Everyone knows how to use them already. There's not a ton of explanation that needs to go into it. Um, Very good point.
0: Yeah. A lot of a lot of adoption, a lot of cross-pollination possible, right? People can move from product to product very quickly. No, I like that. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like in the OSR world, you also get a lot of that too. You know, it sounds like a lot of these systems, Luke, when you go into them, they have nuances that vary between system to system, but they all have that same basic core to where your your learning curve is very low every time you go to a new one.
2: Yeah. And that's kind of what I was talking about, taking different mechanics and things, because they're all based around the same system. Right. You know. And so it's so easy to take, say, the encumbrance rules from Lamentations and put them into, you know, basic fantasy or, you know, take something from White Box and put it into Dungeon Crawl Classics. They're all, you know, you can just kind of build your own monstrosity of a game and play.
1: <laughs> God, I wonder how many people out there um, are, you know, how many shelfies out there are like, oh, no, Rich, I love OSR stuff. Or how many are going to go. Oh, this opened a new door right? to something I hadn't seen before, because I feel like I just opened a new door.
0: Yeah, this feels like a new door to me, too, because I, I have played some of these, but most of them I haven't. And OSR has been kind of a blind spot for me. So, I mean, this is all super interesting to me, like really cool to kind of dig in. Like, what is it? Why is it so engaging to people? Right. I think that's one one of the things. And I, I think that like you really kind of hit it like one, it's it's special. Right. It's it's not like the run of the mill game system that everybody else is playing. And because it's special, it has like some cool hidden gems that you can go and find if you are willing to put in the time to to search. Yeah. It's a lot of older grognards, you know, just kind (laughs) of grognards coming together. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. And I think that's kind of cool. Like there's a there's kind of a romance to that. Well, if I mean, if you're really
2: interested in the OSR, there are a ton of blogs out there. To talk about the OSR. The biggest one is probably Tankars Tavern. He's probably the most prolific blogger about the OSR. It's just TankarsTavern.com.
0: Cool. Yeah, we'll link it in the description below for sure.
1: I hate to say I'm already on his site. and I'm looking at people's <laughs> top tens.
0: Nice. Nice. Where
1: people are like, what are your top ten OSR games? And, you know, we've touched on quite a few of them through here. Yeah, I mean, it is amazing how many are out there. And how many we didn't even touch on barbarians of Lumeria? I mean, there is just so much going on in that space. It's kind of ridiculous.
2: If you're into a Conan, there's a cool one called uh, "Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. Ooh, that's it's a massive book. So Dude, I really Conan wouldn't is call classic. It, yeah, I really wouldn't call it OSR necessarily, right? Because it's a huge book, but it's, <laughs> it's 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 beautiful though, and it's it's. Got some like the races are all there's a lot of them. There's like Sumerians and, you know, all it's it's a
0: cool, highly detailed. A lot of stuff going on. That's cool. Yeah, I kind of like that sometimes, too. Like if there's a book that has lots of detail. That gives me a lot of individual things I can pull out of it. I'm glad to have some lo- some blog resources and to reach out beyond just dragonsfoot.org, you know, like to yeah. see yes. some new source of information for this. So that's that's really cool. Luke, dude, I want to say thanks an absolute ton for coming on and talking about this with us. I had a lot of fun and really this has been super informative to me, like just to kind of get my head wrapped around this for the audience how how can they find you cuz you're out there you and I met over cyberpunk um, yeah. and you're doing a whole bunch of stuff so how can people find you get a hold of you talk OSR or cyberpunk or you know whatever whatever strikes their fancy
2: yeah my website is thedarkfuture.com and i talk about all things cyberpunk on there you can follow me on twitter at thedarkfuture the number 2 because the guy who asked the dark future Hasn't used it since <laughs> 2010, and it's a personal account. So
0: oh, bad, yeah. so if you happen to hear this, hit me up. Yep, we will link. We will link to the correct Dark Future. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and then um, I'm on YouTube, and I do uh, pretty much everything cyberpunk on there. It's the the Dark Future. Uh, the easiest way probably to find it is just to look up Mike Pondsmith's interview GenCon 2019, and, and watch that interview because it's a I think I did a pretty good job on it. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's a great interview. It's a really good interview.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. And also you have a discord, right? You and John, John, the wise, and I are all admins of a, of a mutual discord. So I'll link that down below. Uh, yeah. It's, it's also cyberpunk focused. So folks, this is all mostly cyberpunk focused stuff, but all really fun, cool stuff that we're all kind of doing together.
1: If you were stuck on a desert Island with Dave and a couple of shelfies, what OSR game would you bust out for everybody to play?
0: Hmm
2: well let's see see if i had to one. see this is there's two
1: only one i yeah. know
2: but this there's a caveat one. to this answer uh-oh. because uh-oh if i could pick any game i wanted to bring it would be lamentations of the flame princess but that's a game that's not for everybody because it has a really dark setting and there's a lot of dark themes to it so oh. if, if i had to bring a game that i think everybody else would play oof that's a tough one Uh
0: probably probably white box look at that easy peasy basic i love it yep.
1: basic D D. I
0: i love it dude there's so much appeal there's so much appeal to it yes
2: and there's so much flexibility to it it's so yeah it's yeah. just a simple game
0: yeah and dude I'm i kind of i think now. i think that game has so much flexibility you can go dark with it if you wanted to you could have some interesting themes in there if you wanted to if you know everybody at the mm-hmm. table wants that but you don't have to you can go straight high fantasy high action like that's fun too well, awesome, dude. Luke, again, thanks a ton for coming on, man. It's been so much fun.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I don't really get to talk about my other RPG loves very often since I do, you know, pretty much everything cyberpunk. So it's good to talk ooh, about ooh, my other ooh, interests. Oh,
1: yeah. how big is the book collection? Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, geez. How I don't How big I, is it? I have so many books. <laughs> I don't know.
1: If you had to put it into feet, would it be six <laughs> foot high? Would it be 12 foot high?
2: <laughs> It'd be a couple bookshelves. I could tell you ooh. that. Nice. And oh, that nice. includes like, you know, all the source books and things that I have. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool.
0: Yeah, I love it. I, I think that having like a, a driven passion for a thing and not being able to talk about it is a real like shame. So I'm so glad you were able to come on and share some of that passion with us. It's
1: super cool. Yeah. Thanks so I'm going to go, go on Discord and bug you to run a game on Roll20. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, everyone at home, as always, thanks a ton for listening and have fun and play well.
1: May all your roles be crit.
0: Thanks for listening. If you like our style, please subscribe or rate like the podcast within your app. It helps fellow listeners find us. We really appreciate it. So thank you. To join the community, you can find us on Twitter and Discord facebook twitch youtube all under the name high shelf gaming super easy to get connected and join the fun this episode is copyrighted by high shelf gaming llc and is not cleared for broadcast or syndication without written approval the music was provided by little funky on youtube and our web presence is managed by amy Nelson. take care friends